0: Hi guys, it's Ashley here. Welcome to episode 44. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about beauty inclusivity and why it's a myth in late stage capitalism. So at the top of the episode, I just want to say I am covering probably a pretty complex and difficult topic that there is no way I'm doing justice to. And I'm certainly borrowing and um, taking information from other creators and definitely academics in the field. And I hope to address them and credit them appropriately in this episode. Um, These ideas are not exclusively my own and I do not want to step on the toes of the creators and academics in this space who have both lived experience and uh, professional experience with the topic. So please check out the show notes with the credits and uh, definitely listen for when I give a credit. Shout out to everybody uh, that I link for TikTok and Instagram. Please check them out and support them. That's the least you can do, please, for this episode. Just with that important note. Uh, Thanks. Let's get into it. All right, so stories and fun updates. Uh, As probably most of you know, I took a few weeks home, back home in Canada in August, and uh, I guess I was secretly away from the podcast for a little while. Hopefully you didn't notice because we tried our best to plan ahead and make sure that there was coverage for you guys so that there was never a dull moment, never a dry well, I guess for this podcast, that might be a weird example. Um, and yeah, so we we planned ahead. Uh, but I was secretly away um, and enjoying some time with family and friends and uh, attending a lot of weddings. I think I'm probably all wedding out. Weddings are awesome. It's it's amazing to connect with tons and tons of friends and family all at one place, all at one time. It makes it so easy for the person who's visiting home. It was cool uh, to see people I hadn't seen in literally years because of COVID and from moving away and catch up with some really good friends who I've been missing. Um, it was fun to check out a couple of new places, get fancy for a few days, eat delicious food, dance. Yeah, it was really good to just kind of cut loose and um, hang out. But yeah, after three weddings, I think I'm like totally done with uh, uh, the socializing aspect of things for definitely a few weeks. Uh, Probably had more than enough to drink and definitely ate more than enough food. Um, So I guess you could say that my life update is I am drinking and eating a lot less and I'm going to bed earlier. Another cool update is when I was home, I got to visit with my cousin who is literally like a sister to me. Um, and she decided that she's going to be able to come down to LA and see me. So I'm so stoked. Uh, I can't wait for that. She's super cool. Um, I'm hopefully going to take her beach cycling, which as you all know, is one of my greatest passions in life. Um, and yeah, just show her all the cool LA things. Maybe she will even make an appearance on the podcast. Uh, she's been getting into bodybuilding lately and she is definitely like my fitness idol definitely look up to her for that she's so awesome she is so determined and so just hard working really she's so committed to her goals and I've always thought that that was such an incredible thing about her and I've always looked up to her um for a a million reasons but that's definitely one of them and um It's just going to be super nice to see her in her element in a new way bodybuilding um, and then physically actually here. (laughs) I can't wait to see her. So stay tuned for that because I'm super stoked and I'm sure we, you know, I'll have more updates for you on how that goes. And again, if maybe we can get her on the, the podcast for a little discussion about bodybuilding, that would be pretty cool. All right. So what is hot this week? Hmm. I had to think about this for uh, for a hot minute um, no pun intended um but i i I was gonna come up with something really clever, but I just had to go with something I truly truly uh, am loving, I'm using, I'm just so happy with um so there is uh, literally in my hand uh the product that I am loving. It is called well, it is a candle for one, and it's by the brand. Um, Mala, Mala the brand. It is, I guess, a candle company. And the thing about them is they're organic and basically non-toxic product. That's awesome. That's always awesome. Um, they basically have an eco-friendly consumer circle where they plant a tree every time a A candle was purchased. All these things are wonderful. I actually just bought it because I could not get over the smells. They had so many amazing smells. One of them was, I think, called Cereal Milk. And if anyone has seen that documentary on Netflix, they understand the nostalgia and the hype surrounding the nostalgia of cereal milk flavor. That candle was literally that nostalgia in a scent form absolutely obsessed. But these candles were not cheap. And I happen to like a little bit better this one called Sundays, which is lavender, apricot and sandalwood. Sandalwood is so freaking classy. And I I just I had to buy it. So anyways, you could definitely uh, get yourself a soothing and wonderful candle from Mala, the brand, I will link them in the show notes for you guys. I am loving it. um, And it is an eco friendly brand. Okay, so in this crazy solo episode where I'm trying to cover a massive topic that's probably very controversial and may be better suited to someone of a non-cis, white, female, privileged, wealthy individuals both to speak of, I will try to do it justice. Let's think of this episode as more of a plug for something I'm interested in and want to get the conversation started about I hope that this episode can get us talking, can get us thinking, and can maybe get us sort of a background for a future guest. Um, You will soon learn who I hope will be our guest to speak about this topic because she's absolutely incredible and is the inspiration for this conversation. Um, But all in all, the episode goals for today are pretty basic. The first is just to discuss the concept I'm bringing up, which is the concept of beauty inclusivity as a marketing construct for consumerism. So I want to tell you what I mean, where I heard it, and why it matters. The second episode goal for today is to identify how it relates to my experience. This is pretty much what we do in every single episode. We talk about something, we talk about our experience. All right, let's dive in. So I guess I just wanted to start with maybe discussing the concept of beauty. What is beauty? Um, What do we mean by beauty? When we say someone is beautiful, when we say someone is not beautiful, what are we talking about? Now, I am kind of going off what I've read in the past, but my understanding is that beauty has a sociological and... Scientific background to it. So it's basically that a person is considered more beautiful within society based on secondary sexual characteristics that can be attributed to a likely increased fertility. So that person is demonstrating some physical characteristics. Mostly physical, perhaps there's other sort of less conceivable things that were were um, attributing beauty to, like scent or maybe mannerisms, not just physical shape, size, color, all of that, but basically, these are characteristics that individuals, presumably of the opposite sex, but definitely not always, can attribute to a person having that would give them an increased fertility and would therefore be a better mating partner. So secondary sexual characteristics could be, um, like genitalia. (laughs) We, we could be talking about like breast development, um, facial hair. I don't know. I'm just making it sound like awkwardly scientific, but you know what I mean? Basically the concept of like Oh, them be some good birthing hips. This is definitely something that exists across all cultures and definitely shifts and changes with time. So we know that typically and historically, individual cultures may see different physical characteristics as more beautiful than others, and that might not be the same within other uh, other cultures it may not be the same the same across micro cultures within that culture it can be extremely regional and it is extremely time sensitive period sensitive so you can think about you know the beauty ideals from say the 1920s versus 2020 like say the 1920s it was a very like slender um not really uh very much hip going on for women sorry and I'm talking about definitely white American beauty standards in this example for women so say like a slender build a bit more of a masculine look um you know we had the flapper girls who were a bit like edgy and then we talk a A bit more about how that's different compared to 2020, which was really when we were getting like the boom of like, oh, strength, uh, strength and fitness and like a strong woman. That's, that's beautiful. And how those are completely different than what we saw in say, like the late 1990s, early 2000s, which was more like hyper feminine, big boobs, big hips, Um, maybe big lips. I mean, that kind of carried all the way through. But you get what I mean. It's extremely regional dependent, time sensitive. So what's the concept then of beauty inclusivity? I'm sure all of you have heard or seen or know exactly what the Dove campaign is. I think that represents it perfectly. It's the concept of Basically, allowing other body types, other body images, other things that are not within the typical prescribed limited view of what beauty is at that time for that culture, for that predominant culture, and allowing it to be incorporated into, say, the public's perception of what beauty is, but really the concept is... Uh, and, and maybe that's just what beauty inclusivity is, but the, the dove campaign as the example is something It's like a consumer, it's a capitalist organization that takes that, you know, altruistic concept and uses it against us. So, you know, you can kind of see it. Like, oh, it's this amazing concept. It's allowing other people to be included. It's allowing our our minds to widen. It's allowing people to feel good about themselves, where they're at, how they look, with their abilities, with their skin tone, everything. But it's a pretty slippery slope. And, you know, we have to really ask ourselves, does it truly mean that that brand that is demonstrating Uh, beauty inclusivity actually has a social responsibility? Are they upholding their social responsibility? Is that brand truly inclusive or are they using this concept of beauty inclusivity as a marketing ploy? Is it just kind of like another form of um, or like a, a social form of the concept of greenwashing? You know, are we now just using people and people's appearances and play on our insecurities to create what beauty is what beauty is not and use that against us so it's not just dove you know i i'm sure that dove truly um well maybe some people at dove had truly altruistic motives for it but i think ultimately it's of course just a marketing ploy There's so many other companies that I could list. I mean, I'm guilty for sure of buying from Aerie because I felt more included, more seen. I felt like it was a better place to spend my money and perhaps it's just like beauty washing. I don't know. Okay, so... Here's the meaty part, and I want to give explicit credit to the creator that sparked this idea. So, I saw a TikTok by at Ayanda Stood. That's A-Y-A-N-D-A-S-T-O-O-D. Her name is Ayanda Nayimbezi Haita. I hope I pronounced that close. Um, And she is a content creator. She's actually a Harvard student. And she apparently went viral for a different video that I didn't see um, about opinions on dating preferences, specifically on why there's an obsession with tall men. Guilty. I could probably benefit from her education on this concept. I'm dating a man who's six foot five and it's awesome and it's something we talk about all the time but that's for another episode. So I first saw her video um, where she talked about why beauty uh, inclusivity is actually just a myth. It's not something that we can actually attain. So she explains to us that it's uh, a concept we can't attain and is designed to make us think that we can be included. But like I said, and like she said, we can't. So what she says is that what we can actually be included in is a larger concept, which is the idea of subscribing to the myth that we can be included as beautiful and are allowing ourselves to be marketed to. So she has this really... Um, rough drawing on a whiteboard behind her and she has a big circle which is like everyone and then she has a small circle inside that which is the beautiful people and she says the beautiful people yeah they're in the middle they're in the small circle in the middle and what beauty inclusivity is doing is it's expanding the circle that sounds great right we're making it bigger we're including more of everyone we're including more and more and more of that bigger circle that we that the beautiful people reside in and she says that what's actually happening is that circle is hardly increasing in size at all. The circle is only expanding to include certain people. It's only expanding to include people who fit the, the um, prescribed version of what inclusive beauty looks like, you know? So she says there's really actually an algorithm of beauty, which reaffirms the logic of the center. So if you're, um, darker skinned, you have the lighter, darker skin, you can be included. If you're disabled, she says, then your disability should be invisible. If you want to be included, maybe you're fat, but you don't have a disability. So you can be included. Um, the, the, the examples go on. So it's Really, an if-then-then-that. If-but-this. You know what I mean? She, I love her concept. It's the algorithm of beauty. And that limits the size of which that inner circle can grow. And so really, it's not growing that much. And that circle will never really include everyone. So if we ever actually became truly inclusive of all beauty types, that concept of what beauty is and what it's doing would collapse. So that discrepancy of everyone on the big circle and the beautiful people on the inside is what is leveraged by capitalist societies and consumerist companies to basically sell us all this stuff that we don't need. Insert end-state capitalism, any other problem you have, I'm sure that's what's going on but I just want to say she phrased this so well and it was so gripping. You have to go and watch her video, give her a follow. I would absolutely love to have her on as a guest. I think she's actually starting a podcast and I'm super excited to, to hear what she has to say. She's really engaging and she speaks so well. So what she gets into after that is that basically everything is made up. Beauty standards are made up and The idea that beauty is ultimately linked to worthiness. So if you're not beautiful, you're not worthy. And she tries to tell us that really humanity, I think she said humanity is what makes someone worthy. All people are worthy. If you're a person, you're worthy. Beauty does not define your worth. And you have to learn to separate that. She also goes on to show us that worth is inherently connected to whiteness and how that's a major problem. And I have to say, I agree. I haven't necessarily experienced the other side of that, but definitely all the evidence is there. I think what's kind of cool, too, in one of her other videos is that she talks about um, all of these standards, not just beauty standards, but the typical like Western white standards of what is what is reality and who made it up, question everything you know. The The people that made this up were the people in power, the white men many hundreds of years ago who continue to exist and continue to um, oppress people. You know, she says, think about it. Think about all the things that they have made up for us this concept of beauty inclusivity and what it means to be worthy, what it means to be productive, what it means to have value. I mean, she goes so far to say that time is made up. Everything is made up. So question it all. And I have to agree. I think it's, it's so true. Why, why are we on this earth? Right? Um, So question, question, question the standards that are forced upon you and upon others and how that impacts how you see yourself and how others see themselves and how you see others. Katie, did you know one woman or person who bleeds will go through 150 kilograms or 330 pounds of tampons, pads, and applicators in their lifetime? No, I did not. And did you know 90% of them are plastic? Ew, that's really gross. I feel like there should be a better period product on the market by now. Well, there is. Meet Dame. Dame is on a mission to make periods positive and sustainable, accessible and acceptable. Their award-winning effective period care is free from toxins and single-use plastic. In 2018, they launched with their reusable tampon applicator in an effort to reduce plastic waste. In 2020, they dropped reusable pads, which quickly sold out during their first release. And there's now a waitlist for new products dropping soon. That's awesome. And right now, Dame is offering our listeners a generous 25% off your first order. Whether you're in the market for a sustainable period product, or you're in need of a clean and consistent tampon brand, Dame has what you need. Now shipping to the US in over 200 countries. Dame is confident you'll love your new products. They even have a 60-day refund policy. Try Dame today at wearedame.co and use code COCONUT25. That's wearedame.co and use code COCOANUT25 at checkout. Now back to the episode. All right, enough of my love letter to Miss Ayanda. Talking a little bit more now about why, I guess talking a little bit more now about how this idea of beauty inclusivity as a consumerist construct is acting maybe in my life, maybe in other people's lives, um, how it's acting in the professional woman's life. Um, so I was really keen on not just how it oppresses people, um, obviously, that's probably the most important thing to talk about, but also how it just affects people in their day-to-day experiences. I think one of those things, which uh, I definitely flagged in my research, was how this concept of of beauty um, is actually used as an edge in the professional world. So let's talk a bit more about this. I found an article, well actually it's it's a doctorate by Teresa Shea. uh, She was a student at the University of Alberta and her research was titled The Politics of Beauty in Late Capitalism. So let's get into that a little bit. Um, She talks about how beauty pursuits are inherently linked to employment success, like I said, and why people in a capitalist system are encouraged to pursue destructive beauty pursuits like cosmetic surgery. She argues that bodybuilding could even be destructive and of course, eating disorders. So capitalism in her perspective has shifted from consuming products to actually buying services. So that's an interesting concept, less about the idea of having to buy a physical beauty product, uh to be considered beautiful, to be considered that elite, to be considered the powerful, and more about buying a service that will help you acquire such gains, right? So she says capitalism tries to identify this pathological quotes body type for which you can consume those services To ameliorate, so you can get rid of that pathological body type through those diets, the plastic surgery, perhaps even the bodybuilding is a an extension of that. Um, But that's actually an interesting point. I I I think because I'm so interested in weightlifting and um, perhaps not actually calling it bodybuilding, I really wanted to know what she was talking about there. So here's a here's a quote from that section of her doctorate. The contemporary increase in popularity of professional male, she says male bodybuilding specifically, occurs in conjunction with the new economic trends towards globalization and the displacement of workers by machines. Unlike the crisis of masculinity in the 19th century that largely stemmed from an increase in non-physical and sedentary employment for men, Divorced from the need for physical strength, the crisis of masculinity in late capitalism arises from the growing realization that the requirement for large-scale human labor in North America is becoming obsolete. Wow. Okay. So, to feel important, men are hyper-masculinizing and trying to obtain a beauty standard that doesn't really exist and isn't needed like this whole concept of form over function so we don't have a need for that function anymore so we're obtaining the form for for what I I think that's so interesting but I think the take home Uh, for me from her work, is really that women are definitely being consumed by the idea that the beauty, attaining beauty, not only attains them this this social capital, but it also allows for them to have a competitive edge in their career. This is clearly affecting men in, in a multitude of ways, perhaps different ways, based on how Economic trends have tended towards more sedentary work, which I can only imagine has definitely um, affected men. Um, but in the context of women, how um, how has our beauty been attributed to our worth um, now in this this world where ex- we're expected to be both you know the homemaker and the professional? I don't know is definitely something I want to explore more. So I guess kind of pushing forth on that idea, um, I read another research paper. I don't know if it's a thesis. Um, it's, it's by Melody Chen and it's titled, The Radicalizing of Beauty, The Rise of Western Beauty Norms and Self-Esteem Among Asian Women. So in her work, she says that Asian beauty ideals have got, undergone a myriad of Western influences in countries like China, Japan, and Korea. Asian beauty standards today represent historical and cultural stories, as well as the dominance of particular Western ideologies. So in her research work, she, she focuses on skin lightening, eyelid procedures, and rhinoplasties as means for Asian women to fit the Western ideology and obtain more social status while doing so. So she actually talks about how as Asian women's purchasing power and disposable income have creased, this has given them a newfound ability to, to pursue the concept of beauty. And she's saying that this women's ability to purchase beauty products, undergo cosmetic surgery, or enhance their outer beauty is actually providing an illusion of privilege, agency, and social mobility. Interestingly enough, she says, though, in some regions, that illusion may actually be a reality. So I think the, the concept applies again of have you attained beauty? Are you in that inner circle or are you are you in the outer circle or are you kind of that weird group in the middle that's helping to create the illusion of beauty inclusivity? She also ties in to the fact that um, across Asia, people, women are undergoing the same concept of enhancing themselves to be more competitive in the job market. So as women are expected to have more roles, we are undergoing all these changes to make ourselves more competitive. So beauty is not only a representation now of say our fertility, our desirability. I've proven to you that hopefully that it also seems to be tied through consumerism to our worthiness. It seems to be tied to how closely related we are to powerful people, and it can also be tied to our productivity and our competitiveness in the professional world. So there's no wonder that women and men, as we can see from my little plug there, um, are obsessed with this concept of beauty and why the idea of beauty inclusivity is so enticing. But it's hopefully more clear now Um, Or at least you're curious and want to learn more about why beauty inclusivity is really just this myth, why it's actually unattainable. If we could attain it, we wouldn't have it. If everyone was beautiful, which we we all are, um, we all have beauty, um, but if everyone was this quote, beautiful person, we would not have the concept of beauty as a capitalist tool. There would be nothing to market to us. There would be nothing that, there would be no discrepancy that we're playing on. The concept of beauty as a marketing tool exists because it's something that we don't have, that we want to have, that we aren't attaining, that we can't attain. And if we attain it, that whole system falls apart, right? If we realize that everyone is beautiful, there's beautiful pieces to everyone, then what are they marketing to us? I don't know. Nothing, right? So, maybe we have to give that a bit more thought. All right, guys. So, that's the end of my ramblings on on why beauty as a as a construct is truly a myth. Why beauty inclusivity is really a myth. You kind of maybe already got a touch on my personal views. Um, but to expand on that just slightly more, I think that if we disable this construct, we will probably see these societal hierarchies just building up in other areas. I mean, capitalism finds a way. I'm sure we'll we'll see it come. Once we disable one thing, we we make room for another. Hopefully it's helpful to share, you know, a little bit about my personal experiences because I think all of this information can be quite humbling to hear about and to think, you know, that we've all been living in these systems and maybe we've noticed some of these things but not all of them. Um if you're a person like me with white skin, uh perhaps you're feeling a little bit ashamed um about this concept of the world desiring this whiteness because of this poorly placed and toxic goal of being worthy because of our whiteness. Yeah, it's a crappy place to be. I definitely, like I said before, I have found myself buying from brands just because of their presumed inclusion. You know, I thought, oh, that's wonderful. That's so cool. You know, look at all these people in this poster. Look at... Look at that person in a wheelchair rocking it. I I definitely feel like I could buy from this brand because I feel like I can trust them better. They understand me more. I want to feel like I, my morals and ethics are extended in the things that I do, the things that I think, the things that I am buying, the people I'm buying from. And of course, why not? Why would I not want to support a brand that has this presumed beauty inclusion, but like I didn't do any research. I didn't look to see if there was actually substantial evidence to what these companies are doing behind the scenes, what the photo shoots look like behind the scenes, what models were selected and what models were not selected. I have no idea, right? I did not do the legwork. Another negative for me is this idea of self-harming, not in the traditional sense, but self- harming practices or self-changing practices like, uh, diet, fitness, weightlifting, um, subscribing to only one perception of beauty and following beauty trends that, um, get us there, like lashes, nails, tanning my skin to be more golden, you know, like all these things that I have done to try to obtain this typical concept of beauty. Like I am guilty, <laughs> guilty as charged right here. And just writing it down and realizing like I do this all the time. Like As you guys have heard, I mean, I'm pretty body confident and pretty body positive, but I'm not, I'm not perfect. Like I, I talk about all the time, I worry about my diet. I like to weight lift because I want to look a certain way. And these are all these things that I'm subconsciously dealing with. And I'm sure you are too. And, you know, that's, that's what I'm doing to be hopefully getting closer to that inner circle. But when I evaluated that, I started thinking about this concept of ugliness. Um, That's another video out there that, um, that TikToker, she does, um, she talks about ugliness. And I was like, oh, ugliness. Oh wow, that's that's hard to think about. Um, but yeah, I totally, I totally get it. I I realize that I do feel shameful. Like on days where I feel ugly, like we all have them, like I feel shameful. I'm like, oh, I got spots on my face. Like, I've got like hair growing out of my eyebrows where it shouldn't be. Like I'll create like I look crazy. Like I feel shameful and I feel like people will judge me. Like in my personal world, I feel like my friends will be embarrassed to be with me when I look like that. I feel like I'm difficult to look at. Um, I feel like in my professional world, if I don't like put on makeup and clean up my face a little bit and try to look more um, beautiful, that I won't be trusted or respected at work. I mean, these are not limiting things that are keeping me from going outside, but just to be honest with you guys, like there's that fear. And I think it's definitely because of what we all think is beautiful. And it's hard to accept that kind of realness or ugliness, if you want to call it about us. We all have that, just like we all have beautiful things. All right, some of the positives about considering beauty inclusivity is I have this new interest in form over function or function over form, I should say. So, you know, I grew up definitely reading like 16 magazine, um, like whatever, all of those, those magazines with like fashion and beauty. And of course, like we all want to flip through and look at the beautiful, um, articles and see all the models. And yes, like I was brainwashed from an early age. Um, But now I'm proud to say I look at all sorts of other things, other concepts of what the body is capable of. So more function type of things. I was really obsessed for a time with this um, group called Open Style Lab, where they actually create and they focus on creating beautiful clothing that primarily has a function. Um, So they have a function and form over just the beauty. So these are things like pants that you can get on when your arms don't work or shoes that you can tie up if you can't use your fingers, stuff like that. And it's so incredible what people are making and how it benefits people with disabilities or reduced abilities or unique abilities. And I thought that was so neat. Um, In line with that, I think I just have this incredible fascination and appreciation for the human body based on my medical background and what I see every day in genetics just these incredibly wild medical cases and experiences that people have physically gone through with what their body is able to do and not able to do and When I meet the families and I meet the patients and I have this incredible renewed appreciation for the joy that they have in the diversity and the abilities that their loved ones have, I'm always impressed and absolutely in awe of what the body can do and what people are capable of when they put their mind to it. And that is so much more beautiful to me. I think if we can start focusing more on the function, the beauty in the function, the beauty in what can be achieved by a person in a person's body and maybe the beauty of the spirit of the person that might be better but like i said we fix this and we get a hierarchy somewhere else so yeah i'd love to know what you guys think would love to know if you're curious to have any of those academics on as a guest um shout out to all Of them. I'm going to link them in the show notes. Definitely check out their research articles and their TikTok, social media, all that. Um, Give them a shout out. I would love to expand on this conversation and hopefully have a very well educated and informed guest who can do this even more justice than I did. I hope you guys enjoyed. I hope this was helpful and I hope this sparked your interest um, to think about it a bit more. Um, Yeah. It's been a pleasure. Um, I will see you guys in the next one.